How many is glad you're saved? It helped me if some of you look at somebody and smile at them, make a face, do something. Amen. All right. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 12. And let's stand together, verse number 7. Genesis chapter number 12. Begin a little short series here. I'm thinking maybe three, four sermons, not more than that. But uh, you know how these things go. I start with three or four sermons, ends up being 10, 15, who knows. And uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and thou builded he an altar to the Lord who appeared unto him. Genesis 15, 5 and 6, just a few pages over. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. He said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it unto him for righteousness. Genesis 22, a few more verses. Chapter's over, just a few more, verse 17. That in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. You need to underline that or highlight it or mark it, whatever you do in your Bible. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they arose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. The thought I have is this God's word for the world's breaking news. God's word for the world. Our world is breaking news. And here's the title of the message. Why is the Middle East so important to us? What's the big deal about it? You rarely pick up a newspaper, see a newscast, that you don't hear something about the Middle East. Let's go to the throne of grace. Brother Brian... Collins leads to the throne of grace, my friend. Oh, yes. Amen. Pick up the newspaper, go online, turn on the latest breaking news. And if you listen long enough, somewhere in that story, there'll be something concerning the Middle East. And we need to understand this region is very important to us, to our families. And um, we also need to understand there will never be a permanent... Settled 
disease in that region. You say, but pastor, are they not planning more peace talks? They can plan them from now on. There will not be peace in that area. September the 11th, 2001, George W. Bush labeled this as a war on terror. And let me just say, this war is never going to end until Jesus comes. Amen? It's been going on for over 4,000 years. And regardless of the peace treaties or the agreements or the ceasefires that they have, usually they're fighting again before the ink even dries or before the phone's even hung up. You'll find that this region, it stretches from Egypt to Iran. And all of that takes in Israel and Jordan and Syria and Iraq and Saudi Arabia. They have six days of fighting, and on the seventh day, just outright war. And even though we're separated by thousands and thousands of miles, we need to understand the problem centers around one place, Israel. Two people, the Jews and the Arabs, and three persons, Abraham, Jesus, and Mohammed. And the reason why the Middle East is so important to us, and the reason why there is always a constant, constant turmoil and tribulation and terrorism, and the reason we now fight this never-ending war on terror all goes back to just one question. Just one. Oh, Mark Twain, he, he, he wasn't a theologian. I'm, I'm not even really sure how good a man he was. But he was a pretty smart man. He wrote this. He said, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Persians ruled with, with splendor and then faded away. The Greeks and the Romans ruled with power, made a lot of noise, but they're gone. But there's one group, one group that has never faded away, and that is the Jews in Israel. And here's the question. What is the secret to their immortality? Hitler unleashed everything he had to annihilate this little group in, in, in the scheme of the entire population of the world. You have to understand this is this just a little group of people in the scheme of all that God is in this world. And yet Hitler unleashed everything he could in the Holocaust to annihilate them and was unsuccessful. What is the secret to their immortality? Why is it that this one 
little nation that happens to be right in the center of the world is so important. What's the big deal with this place? Well, when you get to the Word of God, uh, me and uh, Libby was sharing with me some things that she's been working on in the grade. We just kind of talking about where Job come in, and it's amazing. For 11 chapters, God's been and telling us about creation and a flood and so much, I mean, major stuff. Then chapter 12, it all starts dealing with uh, this little nation right in the middle of the world. One man that went to one family that went to one nation. And God says, and as a matter of fact, all of that has ended up in the third greatest military on earth. And let me just say this. They're not like us. They, they, we're like what we do with our kids. You quit that, I'm going to spank you. And after the 120th time we've told them, we spank them. Right? I mean, we threaten, we scream, we holler. But Israel don't do that. Israel says, you stop. I'm going to bomb you. They don't stop. They bomb them. In the story. They don't mess around with them. And so we find that, as a matter of fact, this one little place in the middle of the world is the only democracy in the Middle East. There's three things that tell us why the Middle East is so important to you and I tonight. You said, what is, how does that affect me? I got to go home to a crazy husband. How does that affect me? I got to make a life changing decision. How does that affect me? I don't know what to do about you fill in the blank. How does that affect me? It affects everything about it. You say, okay, now you got me stumped. Good. Will you listen carefully? And I'll unstump you. Amen? First thing this tells me is this. That God has a plan. The year 2000 B.C., over 4,000 years ago, the flood, the Tower of Babel, have come and they're all gone and suddenly we're reading the Bible and the Lord had said in Abram, Get thee out of thy country from thy kindred, leave them crazy kin people, and from thy father's house into a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God has a plan. Now if I could get a, if you could really, if, if you could really grasp that, you realize tonight He's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for Salt Rock Baptist Church. He's got, he's got, he's got a plan for the one that's seeking and searching 
a plan. He's got one already. God chose a man by the name of Abraham. And he tells him, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he said, you're going to be a blessing to every nation in the world. Now, God never told Abraham why he was chosen. And we're told the way he's going to be a blessing through his children and through a nation. Genesis 15, Abraham comes to God says, God, you know, I, I love you and I appreciate all that you're telling me you're going to do, but, but you really missed this thing. I ain't got any kids. And uh, now God, you know, I know what you said, but God, you don't understand. I don't have no kids. I, I know, God, you said I'm going to be a great name. You told me to look to the stars and... That's how many descendants look to the to the shore, and 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 that's how many descendants. But you you miss something, God. Here, I don't have any kids. And God said, "So, what's the problem? I got a plan." God knew He didn't have any children, but God also knew. He would have children. Our, we, Connie was a baby. And uh, we lived with some neighbors. And, and uh, she would, we, we went down to visit them. And they had been married for many years. And they'd never had any kids. And we went down there. And, and you know how baby kids are. They, she's just grabbing and pulling at this and getting at this. So we reached over and popped her hands and quit that. And, and the mother said, now listen. If we ever have children, we would never do that. Really. So we went home and we said, God, would you give them some children? So a few years later, God did. They had three boys. And I'm telling you, they beat them like rugs, amen? One day I went out there and the little boys are knocking all the limbs off the trees. I said, boys, what in God's name are you doing? And they said, we're knocking all the limbs. We figured out when we was going to get a whoop and mom come get a limb off, so we're knocking them all off so there won't be no limbs on the tree. <laughs> I just tell you what, you just can't beat that kind of reasoning, amen. And uh, they're all grown now. I'm just saying, I'm saying to you, God's got a plan. Now, Abraham at this time was the president of the H-A-R-P club. You say, what's that? The Hebrew Association of Retired People. Abraham's 99 years old. Sarah's 90 years old. I almost started not read this, but some of you look like you need a smile. 95-year-old man met a 25-year-old bride and he got home, she said, would you like to go upstairs and recapture your youth? He looked at her and said, I can't do both. <laughs> I love it. God told him, said, you're going to have a child. And they busted out laughing. I'm not sure I wouldn't have busted out crying. 
the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and buried Abram, a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God has a plan. God has a plan. And God's got a plan for your life. We're always trying to try to box God in or force God. God, you do this or else. And God said, or else what? God has a plan. And I'm amazed at this. And God does give Abraham a son. And now we know that God, through Abraham, Isaac came, and from Isaac, a nation of Israel is going to come. And, and it's amazing. The son of promise, the son of hope, God's done exactly what He said He would do. So what stopped Him? What happened? What, what happened to, to mess everything up? I mean, God promised. He delivered. He did exactly what He said He would do. But you see, there's another part of the problem, the promise. They don't have a land to live in. Genesis 17, 8, Now I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I'll be their God. God says, okay, here's your son, here's your land, problem solved. I've given everything you wanted. God has a plan. But then God knows the problem. Why didn't everything live happily after after? God kept His word. Abraham says, got their son. But the same thing that got them, got Adam and Eve in a mess, got Abraham and Sarah in a mess. Same thing that got this world into the mess in the Garden of Eden, it reared its ugly head again. Adam and Eve didn't believe God when God told them not to eat of a certain fruit. Can I be very transparent? Can I really be very just... You know what breaks my heart? It's when folks come and they tell me, God spoke to them about something. But they just don't believe God enough to do it. Or not do it a long time. Anybody can do something a little while. But sometimes God tells us something and it takes a while for God to to bring it to pass. Easter Sunday, 1991, me and three preachers down in a little white church. Rosemary was there. Um, Willie Mae was there. And others. I'm not sure anybody else was there. Audrey was there. He was, was you there, Audrey? David, was you that David? 
Okay. Yeah, that's where we found him. Yeah, yeah. Get that one. Yeah, I shouldn't have forgot that. We picked him up on the way. Bill. Praise God. Isn't that amazing? It's hanging around. It's amazing. And on a, on an Easter Sunday, I sat there. And uh, it, was, it was so hilarious. The fellow sat down next to me. And he said, I hope the preacher don't call on me first. He said, I'm not real sure what I'm going to preach. And I'm sitting here saying, what? I'd done worked on that message 150 times, preached it to, to myself hundreds of times, prayed and prayed and prayed and begged God. And he said, I hope he don't call me first. I'm not real sure what I'm going to preach. Maybe that's the reason he's not in church tonight. Doing anything for God tonight. Maybe that's the reason. But anyway, I, I, that night, that day we sat down, I knew God, it's just like God just spoke to my, I know God didn't speak audibly. And, uh, and, and God said, one day you'll pastor this church. And I said, man, I said, God, I'm covered at this man's work. I can't do that. But I knew in my heart that was Easter. That didn't come to pass till October. But it never went away. Not like to drove Darlene crazy, but he didn't go away. He didn't go away. God has a plan. But then God knows the problem. All of a sudden, because it didn't come to pass, and their time schedule. I know God spoke, but it ain't happened yet. So Sarah comes up with plan B. Plan B will always get you in trouble. Genesis 16. Now Sarah, Abram's wife, bear him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Now man, that's a great idea. Go sleep with a nanny. That's a great idea, isn't it? But she's now. By the way, don't don't miss this. That was uh, that was done. Custom was done a lot that day. Still didn't make it right. Sarah, I said, Abram, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Can I stop and say this? God has got a plan. And God knows the problem. And the problem is they didn't believe God. So they come up with their own plan. And your plan will fall and fail. If God give you a plan, and they just couldn't wait. And Abraham, being the submissive husband he was, he tried in there and obeyed his wife. And Hagar gets pregnant, and like we at the house, it hit the fan. How many understands it hit the fan? Yeah. He went into Hagar, she conceived, and when she saw she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. I'm better than you now. I'm better than you now. I'm, I'm something 
and you're not despised. Their eyes. Trouble started. Trouble started. As a matter of fact, he got so bad. He got so bad. And that it just got to the point that one day, one day, Sarah gets so furious. She says, she makes it so difficult that she leaves and runs. The angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain of the way of Shur, and he said to Hagar, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou? Where wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress, Sarah. I love this. Sarah blames him. I'm telling you, you couldn't, you couldn't make this stuff up. You couldn't make this up. Listen, ladies, here's what she said. And Sarah said to Nabal, My wrong be upon thee. It's your fault. <laughs> I guess I better just move right on, don't you think? <laughs> Amen. She, she said, It's your fault. And he said, He said, It ain't my fault. You instructed me to go. And oh my goodness. And the Lord said, the angel said to her, Return to thy mistress, smith thyself under her hand. And the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered but for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold thou with child, and shall our son, and thou shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. There, all of a sudden, it's a problem. Now, what was to be given to one son, Isaac, the promised son, the one that's heir to all that's given, now there's going to be two sons fighting for it. Ishmael, the Bible says, here's what God said about him and the Arabs. Are you listening? And Ishmael, the Bible says he will be a wild man. Literally, Here's what he's saying. Ishmael is the father of today's Arabs. Listen to what he said. He said, be like a wild donkey that can't be tamed. That word wild there means like a donkey that just can't be tamed. And free and roaming like a wild donkey in the desert. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. He'll be fighting everybody. And notice this. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. The ideal being, he can't even get along with themselves. Arabs against the Jews. Arabs against Arabs. Arabs against the Persians. Muslims against the Jews. Muslims against the Christians. Muslims against Muslims. Hold it. Ishmael's not born yet. Isaac's not born yet. And God said, I have a plan. And before they're even born, He said, I know what the problem is. I think sometimes what we fail to understand 
And we're all guilty of this. We're all guilty of thinking, if only others knew the problem I have. If only people understood why I'm at, what's going on in my... If people just understood my life and understood the problems, if people just... If someone... If there's just someone that could understand that... I'm telling you, before you were born, He knew the problem that you have right now. God said, I've got a plan. Number two, He said, I know what the problem is. Not only that, He said, Isaac's going to be, would become the Jewish nation, but Ishmael would become the Arab nation. And the split come in Genesis 21. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Now notice, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born in Abraham, mocking. She's mocking. Wherefore she said, Abraham cast out this bondwoman and her son. God tells Abraham, you go ahead and do that. She said, you listen, go ahead and move her out. Because he said, I'm telling you, Ishmael's descendants are going to be great, but they got to go. They're not going to be able to dwell together. That's the reason why. That's the reason why today they cannot dwell together. They, they, they just simply can't. Fast forward 2,600 years. There's an Arab by the name of Muhammad. He befriended some Jews who taught the Old, who taught the Old Testament. He discovered Abraham had two sons. And Ishmael migrated to a place called Mecca. And during the months of Ramadan, you've heard that on the news, Muhammad, while sitting in the cave, claimed to have been visited by the angel Gabriel, who told him he wanted him to be God's prophet. Wanted him to be God's prophet to the Arab people. At that time, there was no conflict between Christianity and Judaism. As a matter of fact, they both worshipped the same God, one God. And Muhammad originally wanted his people to give up their paganism, their idols, and all that kind of stuff. But what happened was, the nobody would accept him. He believed this. Muhammad believed one religion, one way, one true God. The Jews went through Abraham, the Christians went through Jesus, and the Arabs were to go through Muhammad. That's what he believed. But the Jews and the Christians of that day told him he was crazy. So he accepted it. So he changed. Instead of facing Jerusalem to pray, he started praying towards Mecca. He said, now, I make a proclamation. We are the only one true religion. And he forms an army in 603 A.D., and marches on Mecca. And the rallying cry is, there's no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And they've been, we've been fighting, there's been a fight and a battle ever since, and there always will be till Jesus comes on the scene. God has a plan. Number two, God knows what the problem is. 
And number three, and this is what ought to bless our hearts to God keeps His promises. The Lord God said to Abram, Get thee out of thy country and thy kindred. He promised him some things. He said, I'd make thy name would be great. Christians look at Abraham as a true father of their faith. Promise number one kept. He said, Nations would be blessed by his descendants. The question How many of you here tonight take a baby aspirin for a heart condition? Or ever use aspirin at all? How many of you ever use an aspirin? Better yet, how many knows who a baby, what a baby, what a, a bear aspirin is? How many knows what a bear aspirin is? Felix Hoffman, a Jew, created that. Polio vaccine, Jonas Salk, Jew. How many of you like? Novocaine, when you go to the dentist, say you don't hurt. Hallelujah. Alfred Ihorn, a Jew. How many of you take vitamins? Kazmaier Funk, a Jew. Chemotherapy was created by a Jew, Alfred Gilman. Dr. Selman. Waxman created antibiotics. The list is endless. Ezekiel eleven seventeen said, Therefore say thou, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and send you out of the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. In May 1948, a nation was birthed in a day. The United States become a first ally to this tiny state. Immediately war was declared. They were outnumbered in soldiers, out-equipped in arms, outclassed in vehicles. Nobody's betting on Israel. She won that war, plus two more after it. She is now the third strongest military power in the world. In less than 60 years, the Jewish population has went from from about a half a million to more than six million people. The Middle East simply says this. God has a plan. Number two, God knows what your problem is. And number three, God keeps His promise. That's it. Every time you see a newscast, and I, let me just say this, I'm not, it's not a political statement. It is a, it is a true statement. I don't care who the president is. And I don't care what his opinion about it. I don't care what he thinks he's going to do. God's going to give that land to Isaac's descendants. It's not going to go to Ishmael's. God's blessed Ishmael. God said he would. He said make him a great nation. But the promise is going to be given to Isaac's descendants. Just like God said he would do. Now here's what you need tonight. We need just, as we approach a brand new year, we just need a new emphasis in the promises that God's given in this book. Feel alone tonight? Why? He said, I never leave you nor forsake you. 
Boy, preacher, I'm so worried and burdened for my children. Why? God said, raise them up in the admonition of the Lord, and they'll not depart from it. God says, pray for them. And God hears and answers prayers. We need to pray as if God has already answered. Let me stop and say this. God didn't say the path He would take to get them there. But I believe every time we pray for our children, God will do exactly what we want to do. God has a plan. God knows what the problem is. And God keeps His promise. And He'll do that for you tonight. Just as sure as He's for this nation. God said, and every time you see a newscast, I want you to be reminded, God keep His promise. That's all standard feet.